great stories from amazing people. Conversations from the Marsh at Podcast Alley. This is Sports and More with Dean Millard. I couldn't imagine playing and building up to where, you know, how close the league is this year, how big of a dogfight a lot of these teams are are in uh, to being in or out of the playoffs or even, you know, first or third place in your division, let's just say. Like, it's that close in some of these divisions and some of these playoff races. And just being, like, shut down completely in your house, doing squats with your dog and doing workouts with your wife and girlfriend while she's flipping over the guys are posting these videos. I'm like, this is this is it. This is what they're doing. Like, what are they doing? What do you? How do you do this? And then you're just gonna come back in. Like, I'm telling you, one day off is brutal. Two days off is awful. You feel like you had a week off after two days off, and now these guys are gonna go literally from their couch, from doing like push-ups and sit-ups at their house, to to jumping into like NHL playoff games. It's an absolutely wild situation. Totally wild. <laughs> Hello there, and welcome to Sports and More, the podcast, episode 40. My name is Dean Millard, and uh, that was the voice of Colby Armstrong, former NHLer, uh, who joins me this week. Uh, Welcome to the show, everybody. If you're uh, listening uh, on whatever podcast app you are, thank you very much. If you're watching on our YouTube channel or any of our social media streams, uh, welcome to The Marsh at a podcast alley really excited uh, about today's show and if you're watching there's a look at uh, what's going on all right uh, this is going to be a fun fun conversation Uh, here's the lineup for today's uh, program Colby Armstrong will be the main guest Uh, we're going to chat with him about homeschooling uh, his days as a Red Deer Rebel winning the Memorial Cup in 2001 and three first overall picks that he played with in his career uh, two of them uh un- undoubtedly hall of famers one of them already is alexander Degg, mario lemieux and Sidney crosby he played with all three of them uh, we had a lot of laughs on this conversation i've known colby since his days uh, as a rookie with the Red Deer Rebels, uh, his first year was my first year in Red Deer. And uh, watching that team win the Memorial Cup was a lot of fun. So we'll chat with him about that. He also played in Toronto and Montreal, which are hockey meccas. Our top three question will be about what you're watching. And our poll question is about awarding the Stanley Cup. Both of them brought to you by Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports. But uh, man, oh man. Uh, things are changing, uh, like literally, uh, by the moment you're sitting there, it's uh Tuesday, you're kind of relaxed. I don't know what uh, it is that you're getting into. And then boom, the NHL extends self quarantine for players and staff until April 15th. And so you're like, okay, that's not good news at all because the playoffs were supposed to start you know, a couple of weeks before that. So you're like, okay, well, maybe they can still push it back and and we'll see what happens. Then Toronto extends their ban on mass events until June 30th. So I have no idea how the NHL is going to get a season in uh, or playoffs um, unless they go neutral sites. Uh, That's the only way I think that they can uh, 
get it in. Uh, I'm, I'm watching on the left screen. If you're watching on uh, our YouTube channel, I'm watching the Oilers. And um, uh, this is a, uh, a throwback game uh, to the last time they played against the Winnipeg Jets. And on the right side, I'm just watching Clayton Kershaw. And uh, it's baseball on MLB The Show 20. Uh, I can't get enough baseball. So uh, that's what I've been doing uh, the last uh, little while is watching classic games. That's going to wear out fairly quickly for a lot of people. Um, Sidney Crosby, by the way, named a top all-around player by the NHLPA in an ESPN poll. Uh, Carey Price, top goaltender. McDavid, the top forward. Victor Hedman, the top defenseman. And... um, yeah, I, 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 that's, you know, a lot of people have been really critical of Carey Price and the players voting on this. Uh, so they think Carey Price is still the top goaltender. And also new dates announced for the Tokyo Olympics. They will be running now uh, July 23rd uh, into August of 2001. So uh, obviously that was needed to happen. Uh, that needed to be uh, pushed back for sure. All right, uh, before we get into our top three, I want to tell you that it's uh, presented by Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports. Fantasy sports are great, and now with Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports, it's more realistic than ever. You can own one of only 31 professional fantasy hockey franchises in the world. You have 23-man rosters. You have a 27-player reserve list uh, where scouts come into equation. You can be an owner of a team or a scout and sell players. It's so so cool. Uh, you could stockpile for the future, try to win now. Daily roster moves, of course, a wickedly unique playoff format when the playoffs eventually get here. And they're not just players on your roster. They're digital assets. You can use digital currency to buy and sell players, build a championship team or stockpile for the future. So there's only a few franchises left. If you're watching, you can see the uh, link to where you can go and bid on a franchise right now it's www.airauctioneer.com slash uff sports dash nhl dash fantasy dash franchise dash auction open your free account make your bid and uh, you will be notified uh, if you are indeed outbid in this format you own the game so i'd advise you to get in the game this is my top uh, three topic today what sporting events would you watch right now in uh, self-isolation if you could watch anything if you could stream any three sporting events any era magically appear on your tv screen what would they be um i had to think about this because there's a lot of things that i've really enjoyed but uh my top three my honorable mention is the 2001 memorial cup uh, by the red deer rebels because i just finished talking about it with colby armstrong and i remember it so well i knew that team like the back of my hand and uh, it was just such a fun season to travel and uh, not travel. well we did travel in the playoffs but follow along that team and watch them win in overtime in such dramatic fashion so definitely gets my honorable mention a number three for me is the 04 Masters, Phil Mickelson winning his first green jacket and that leap. Uh, the 88 World Series, uh, if anybody knows me, they knows me. I'm a huge Dodger fan, and I haven't celebrated a World Series since 88. I did celebrate uh, for the Blue Jays because I was Canadian, but I haven't celebrated for the Dodgers since 88. So I would watch the entire World Series, particularly Game 1, where there was that magical, legendary Dodger moment by legendary Dodger Kirk Gibson 
off Dennis Eckersley. And number one for me is the 87 Canada Cup. Uh, for me, it's the best hockey ever played. 6-5-6-5-6-5. And uh, the uh, ultimate goal, Gretzky to Lemieux uh, using Larry Murphy as the ultimate decoy uh, for Canada to beat uh, the Soviet Union in 87 Canada Cup. That is, to me, uh, the best hockey ever played. So uh, that's what I'd be going with um, if I could watch any. And I have been watching uh, some of that. Uh, I have watched some of the Canada Cups uh for sure you can get more details about uh ultimate franchise fantasy sports at uffsports.com and they might have something cool cooking as we're trying to fill the void uh when it comes to sports so check it out uffsports.com and at podcast alley this week one timers with colby armstrong will come out later in the week we had some fun uh hart steinfeld of sundial cannabis will join me on the Cannabis 101 podcast tomorrow. Uh, we'll also have one hitters uh, with heart. Uh, no Prospects Baseball show this week. Hopefully we get back to regularly scheduled programming in a little bit. You can check out all the details at podcastalley.ca. And it's easy to get in touch with us. Sportsandmore.ca is the website. At Duck Millard on Twitter. At Sportsandmore Podcast on Instagram. Sportsandmore35 on Facebook and sports and more pod at gmail.com is how you get in touch with us if you are interested easiest ways to get us on twitter at duck millard or email sports and more pod at gmail.com let's find out a little bit more about colby armstrong in the bio Time for the bio. Colby Armstrong was born in Lloyd Minster, Saskatchewan, and grew up in Saskatoon. He was a sixth-round pick of the Red Deer Rebels of the WHL, where he played four years, won a Memorial Cup, and was taken in the first round of the 2001 NHL Draft by the Pittsburgh Penguins. He spent three and a half years in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Pennsylvania, playing for the Penguins' AHL team, before making his NHL debut on December 29th, 2005 versus the New Jersey Devils in Pittsburgh. He was traded to the Atlanta Thrashers at the deadline in 2008 and spent two and a half years in Atlanta before signing as a free agent with the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Leafs bought out the final year of his contract and he signed with his childhood team, the Montreal Canadiens, to finish his NHL career. He had a short stint in the Swedish league before retiring and becoming an analyst with Rogers Sportsnet and on Pittsburgh Penguins broadcasts. He lives with his wife, son, and three daughters in Pittsburgh. Colby, what is life in the Armstrong household like right now? Are you like a, a, a homeschool teacher right now? Like, what's going on in your house? Well, we got on the Google Classrooms just the other day for the homeschooling part, and I, I have no clue. Like, literally, there's probably parents out there right now going through this whole thing. I don't really know, even know how to use my phone properly. I once I quit hockey and I started working in broadcasting, like I understand that you have to send people send emails. We never really did emails before. So even that is like something crazy for me. So setting up a Google classroom and trying to teach my kids schooling and going through these things and these, all this stuff on computers is, uh, is pretty different. It has been challenging. We have four kids. So day to day, and it's been really rainy here in Pittsburgh right now. 
where, where we live. Um, so it's been rainy. It would help a lot more if the sun ever did come out. I'm sure for everyone out there who's listening to this, they're saying, yeah, no, no, no doubt dummy. But, uh, yeah, we're just, we're stuck in the house. It's crazy. Four kids, absolutely wild. Nine, six, four and a three-year-old. Wow. Uh, and I'm telling you, uh, it's, it's, it's going nuts, but we're getting a lot of stuff done, cleaning up stuff, uh, decluttering our lives right now. There is some good coming out of this and obviously spending time at home. I can't say it hasn't been awful and hanging out with my kids and my wife all day. It's been, it's been pretty fun. It's been pretty good. Oh, that's good. Uh, today came down that the NHL, Darren Dreger reporting, uh, that, uh, April 15th is the, uh, self quarantine extended to for the national hockey league. Um, you know, percentage wise, where's your percentage uh, that the, uh, that there'll be a Stanley cup champion this year. What do you think? Uh, right now at this point, I would just say like, I think it's probably like 80% not going to play. Yeah. I would say it's at that right now. And maybe, I don't know. And the further we go, I know that we've just gotten extended to stay at home and social distancing till the end of April. And I know they picked their date at April 15th. And I think it's just, you know, being optimistic and not taking too big of a step. Um, you know, with looking at the full cancellation of, of the rest of this NHL season, they're kind of just trying to take it probably little chunks at a time here and, and reassess as it's going along. But, oh man, this is, uh, I know they desperately want to get it in. And I think just think of the ramifications if they do get it in when it stretches into likely, you know, training camps, right? So it's going to stretch into training camps and what's going to happen the next season. And, you know, there's all sorts of, uh, you know, Questions also with players escrow and, and you know what will happen with that going into next year. So lots of big issues right now. I, I, I hope they can get it in. I hope they can get some kind of playoff in and we can see uh, Lord Stanley um, be handed out. But uh, at this point, I'd say 80% chance right now, Dean. My, our, our poll question on this episode, uh, the ultimate franchise fantasy sports poll question is, uh, if you had to choose between one of these four outcomes a one game playoff so every series is one game so basically an ncaa format basketball best of three best of five or no cup Uh, i took best of seven out because everybody wants a best of seven but if you had to choose between those four one game best of three best of five or not handing out a stanley cup because some people say it has to be 16 wins or bust yes i would say best of five okay just go, I would say best of five. You get some games in each rank. You get some revenue up. You can, you know, you got to get some, some of these games in. And if you could fit that in, that would be the best. That'd be my first choice for sure. Um, just, just for obviously the league sake, I think one, I think it, you know, obviously it's not seven best of seven, but it adds a little bit more legitimacy with the scheduling and what you can make up and what you can do. And, also, you can get some games in, in some of these ranks uh, and get a little back and forth action and create a little bit of a series out of it. Yeah, I think that would be uh, the if you're not going to go seven, at least five, because then it allows you to have an off game, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. It totally does. And it adds, it can add to some just more games, too, mm. which I think is important. I think it's I think it's important for the players. One, I think it's important. It, it, what are these guys going to do? Like, it, this is nuts, right? Like, yeah. I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine playing and building up to where, you know, how close the league is this year, how big of a dogfight a lot of these teams are, are in uh, to being in or out of the playoffs or even, you know, first 
or third place in your division, let's just say, like it's that close in some of these divisions and some of these playoff races to just being like shut down completely in your house, doing squats with your dog and doing workouts with your wife and girlfriend while yeah. just flipping over. And the guys are posting these videos of like, this is, this is it. This is what they're doing. Like, what are they doing? What do you, how do you do this? And then you're just going to come back in. Like I'm telling you one day off is brutal. Two days off is awful. You feel like you had a week off after two days off. And now these guys are going to go literally from their couch from doing like push-ups and sit-ups at their house to, to jumping into like NHL playoff games. It's an absolutely wild situation. Totally wild. Yeah, I, I just can't imagine uh, what this must uh, be like. This is like when you are gearing up absolutely peak time uh, and and they're sure. shut down and uh, you know you had you had the ultimate battle of Alberta playoff series setup going and you know the, the one thing oh, if, if they no. Colby if they do play everybody's rested so it's it's great but you know what what are the players thinking right now like the the guys that you've uh, been chatting with are they just going stir crazy right now uh, and you know with just not knowing yeah I, I think the big thing it just and. and me talking to them it's just nobody knows like they don't know they don't know what's going on like they're just trying to get through each day and you know they're tra- they said they're the guys that i talked to said they're like working out like they're getting ready to go to training camp like it's summer like they're just like staying in the best shape that they can like crazy every day they're they, they're you know keeping on top of it and with the with no you know light at the end of the tunnel right now because no one knows what's going to happen or you know where they're going to be or when this is going to be done so I think just the unknown for them right now is just really, really, really strange. But yeah, I think Mark Giordano said the other day, right? Like I think he said on their little Zoom conference calls that they've been doing, he said like everyone will be healthy. Like it'll be a great yeah. playoffs if we ever do come back. Like you'll never, you've never seen guys as healthy as, as they'll be going into a playoffs in this situation. So I live in Pittsburgh. The Penguins have been banged up all year. They they've had a ton of injuries. So. You know, there's lots of chatter, obviously, the positive of, of a Jake Gensel who went out with shoulder surgery. He's a big player on their team. Getting a guy like that that was lost for the season and now potentially could be back if the season does pick up. So there's there's a lot of things uh, uh, positive, uh, I'm sure, in, in certain markets where teams are looking at that and fans are looking at that and going, man, if we could get going again, uh, I like our chances. Yeah, it's uh, it it should be fun, but uh, the NHL because uh, ha- has kind of said all along their their main priority is next year and getting the full season in next year. Like it sounds like they're willing to sacrifice the Stanley Cup to make sure next year uh, isn't affected. Yeah, well, yeah, I think that's important. I, uh, I think it's important next year, you know, for you know coming out of this pandemic and this you know global situation to have you know, the league in, in a good, healthy spot. And that's, that's just having a full season that, you know, for me, looking at it, uh, looking at it with, with the fans, um, you know, from start to finish and making sure it's, it's smooth. I, I know they would, you know, if they could have got like a legit playoffs in, um, depending on what happens here, is they're taking chunks back out of the season, the league looking at it, uh, of how it'll affect next year. But I think, you know, you, that has to obviously be on the table, when they when they've got you know all situations on the table, what they're going to do, the next season is is a it, it, it's it's got to be looked at big time because it's going to be impacted the further this goes on. This you know it's going to touch into that season, and you're going to you know go from one season right into another season after just handing the cup off would be a weird situation to try to get those 82 games. And so I think it's important for them to look at next season. I think next season. You know, coming out of this will be an important year for the league and it'll be big and 
Um, I think we have to consider that taking chunks into that or starting late, maybe in like November instead of October might be a big issue. Let's talk a little bit about um, uh, your career. And I was fortunate to uh, uh, cover the early part of it in in Red Deer. Um, You were a first round pick of the Penguins, but you were a sixth round pick of uh, the Rebels. Um, So how did you go from a sixth round pick in the WHL draft to a first round pick in the NHL? Bad scouts, you know, bad scouts. <laughs> Maybe at both levels, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I got to say, we had good times, didn't we? You know, right yeah, there, I loved really it. Good time. We had a really good time. Yeah, you were awesome with us. Um, you know, kind of the, the main Red Deer guy with our team, and we got to know you really well. It was really fun. We did some really fun things. We had a good group of guys and a good team, but, I don't know how, how you know, it happened kind of fast. And I guess that's just kind of a message for all kids out there. And some kids don't even get drafted. You know, I went like sixth round. I don't even know how many rounds in the Western League draft. There was like seven or eight. So like fairly, like really to the, to the, almost the end of the draft to getting selected. And, um, you know, I was fortunate that I was on a good team, like really, truly to make the team. And when Brent Sutter came in and took over and, um, you know, we had a lot of really good young players, as, as you know, like Joel Stepp and Boyd yeah. Gordon and Doug Lynch and, um, you know, Jeff Wojcicki, another guy that was undrafted in, in the Western Hockey League and then was also a first-round draft pick as well. We had a lot of just really good young guys mixed with some really talented veteran guys. Um, but it wasn't too long, really, like from being a sixth-round pick in junior um to like my development and, and the way I came along to eventually a few years later, like really it was only just a few years later. All of a sudden I'm a, you know, on in, at the time we just had like the hockey news, right? Like yeah. You look at the hockey news and you, and you see people are talking about you and where, you know, some of these rankings are going off and you're like, Holy smokes, what's going on here? This is happening really fast. Uh, and all the same time we're, you know, really good competitive team. Uh, obviously winning the Memorial cup was huge uh, for that, that was my draft year as well. So I think all that kind of helped out, but it happened so fast and just being on a good team and showing how, how young players can, in a short amount of time, take some massive steps too. Um, and you're not really, you know, tapped out at 16, 17. There's still quite a bit of room to grow there. And, um, you know, so you never give up, right? Never yeah. give up and, um, you know, keep working and, uh, I, I, I can't take enough away, though, uh, from just what it means to also be fortunate enough to be on a really, really good hockey team, which helps. Well, the thing that I found interesting, you know, Brent's first year was my first year in, in Red Deer. And then the year after yeah. you guys won the Memorial Cup going in the playoffs, I moved to Regina. So I spent a lot of time around that team and he played so many young players um in your first year like it was all young players and it's almost like he accelerated your development because you guys won the memorial cup the next year i mean the 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 growth period that you guys experienced in that first year uh was was fun to watch i also remember in that 2001 season and we may have talked about this before justin mapletoft led the league in scoring was he not supposed to pay off in a bottle for anybody who helped set him up that was the thing, right? You yeah, remember that, right? I do that remember that. 100%. Because the last game, I think it was he was trying to track down Lane Ulmer in Swift Current, who I think he was like three points up going yeah. into the last game. And I think Mates got like four points that game. or It was something like that. It was something crazy where he had to pass him. He had yeah. to get three points. Three he points, yeah. By You're two. right. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what it was. And he said whoever got like points on his goals, he'd buy them a bottle. Of course, he never bought us any bottle. No, no, heck no. But man, yeah, I, I to your other point about us young guys and like you know, like Bren gave us like tons of opportunity to play one in lots of different situations as young guys coming in because we had like six or seven 16 year olds or seven, 16, 17 year olds that were like pretty good. Uh, but he also pushed us really, really hard and held us really accountable and then held us also our young guys accountable to the rest of the group, to the older guys too. So he kind of like, he was kind of like a way he kind of played the young guys off the old guys a little bit and the old guys to push the young guys. And it just made like a really good mix um, and brought us really together and playing together. Like, you know, we had, you know, some, some big trades also, if you recall, we picked up Kyle Wanvig, who's, mm-hmm. you know, 50 goal scorer that year. Uh, and then in the, at the trade deadline, we went out and got uh, Marty Erad yeah. um, from, from Saskatoon. Who he was, was special. Unbelievable he was so us. special. So, so fast. Like, like incredibly, like one of the best junior players I got to see with my own eyes. So fast, so skilled. He could score, he could make plays. It was such a huge add to us, but, then you sprinkle in like a lot of the young guys we had with the mix of old guys. Like the young guys just weren't buried in the bottom of the lineup. Like they were big, big parts of that team. Like in the Memorial Cup, I remember I was on a line with um, Boyd Gordon and Joel Steph and <laughs> myself on a line. And I mean, we're playing against Valdor, against Brandon Reed, Simone Gamache. And like these guys that got like 200 points in, in the Quebec Major Junior League. And we're like the shutdown line. And here we are, we're all 17 years old, 16, 17 years. It was it was wild to put us in that position to be like a checking line against these dynamos of the CHL. And, um, you know, that's what, you know, positions that Brent put us in and put us in to succeed and expected us to, but man, we had a good group. I had a fun time. Red Deer is like the best place to play, like best travel, middle central mm-hmm. to everything. It, it, was, it was easy to get everywhere. The city was awesome and behind us, um, big time. We're packing rinks and there was a lot of excitement in town and, uh, even like I had fun with you, man. Like I called in. Wasn't Sutsy on a, a show? And I called in. It was it's, hilarious. Yeah, it was, it was like, hilarious. We, I was all, you know, I was a little bit older, but not a whole lot older than you guys. So I was uh, having fun, yeah. um, you know, being part of the team or not being part of the team, but being part of the, the, the groundswell in that city, because you guys lost yeah. the, the first year Brent had in the playoffs quickly. And then the next year they yeah. just picked up so much steam. Uh, the E-Rat trade was massive. And also I remember I think it was game three of the Hitman series. You guys won in overtime. And I think you were out on the ice because I asked Brent after, I'm like, why did you switch up the lines and put Armstrong with Wanvig? And he's like, no, Armstrong just didn't come off. And and they ended up scoring or something. <laughs> but that Calgary series yeah. was so great. I remember Kyle Wanvig uh, high-fiving the Hitman bench after a goal. Like it was just anim- <laughs> animosity everywhere. Yeah, the thing I uh, well that that such, that was such a massive rivalry against Hitman because like, they were so good too, and it was like they were such a a big step for us to to like convince ourselves in our in our minds that we could beat them. And I remember you know Brent said to us one time like, "What's with this team? Like it's like you guys are, let them beat you before we even get off the bus." And like for whatever reason that kind of clicked with us like, okay, like we need to change something here. We need to you know, find another level to beat these guys. Cause you know, they were, they were pretty stacked and they were fast. They were skilled. They were like, what are those, um, you know, puck possession, skilled, fast teams that, you know, just really did whatever they wanted on the ice. And then, you know, to, 
to battle them, you know, as a young team and see how good they were with the, you know, the Stanoviches and Brendels and Chris Beach and Matt Kinch on defense. And then they had like Brent Cron, who was a first round NHL yeah. pick as well in, in net. So they just had a really, really good, solid, uh, skilled team. And for us to start making way, you know, making our way in and starting to kind of beat them as we kind of started to get better, we kind of said, okay, we're going to, we can take these guys, but we had a group that could, we could we could play a one two one game and beat you tight checking and or we could beat you six five or we could you know we had enough guys too that we could uh, we could get rough with you as well and we could kind of win a lot of different ways which is which is a good thing about our team and I think it helped us in beating a team like Calgary you know like that, that that series too my parents came down to the game I don't know if it was like double OT but we lost game one yeah in Red Deer. Game two went to like double overtime. My parents came to the game. I didn't know they were coming. I scored the overtime winning goal to make it 1-1 going back to Calgary. I, I truly think if we would have lost that, it would have been really tough to go into Calgary yeah. um, down down two games with how good their team really was. But we were able to you know go in 1-1 and then we just went on fire. I think Joel Stepp had a massive you know rest of the series against Calgary. He turned it up huge for us, scoring some massive goals. And we kind of just ran through them and then after that I was kind of I after we beat them I think that was I don't even know when that was the second round yeah I was kind of like okay here we go like we could we could win now that we beat Calgary I think we could just win this whole thing right now so yeah I was it was a special special year probably my most favorite year of hockey of my life well yeah and you you guys basically took out uh, you didn't have a whole lot of problems with Swift and then Portland uh, in the final and then you know the obviously the uh, the overtime winner against Valdor in uh, Regina where the yeah. the deflection and you know th- those were two both games against Valdor were pretty hard fought in the Memorial Cup. Yeah, they were good and they were high scoring games and yeah. you know we, it, the crazy thing is is like there was no I don't remember. I don't think it was YouTube. Not like we didn't know any of these guys, just guys that we've seen as like world juniors or guys that you read about in the hockey news. It's just so different to like not knowing really any of these players, the way they play, what their tendencies are, who they are, what they actually look like, how fast they really are. Like you, you kind of go into that having really no clue. Um, and then to see these guys and how good they were and how fast they were and how offensive they were. I mean, they had a guy, Chris Linus, who I ended up going to Penguins camp with. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think they, they signed him. He was a defenseman on Valdor's team. He had like 110 points that year as a defenseman. Like it was, it's crazy. And um, these guys put up a couple hundred points. So, um, yeah, we those, both those games we played against them were high scoring. And obviously both went to overtime. Uh, and we ended up on the right side both times uh, against them, luckily. and um, But we remember the final game was so scary because we were down by a couple goals. Yep. And they ended up taking a couple penalties and we scored at the end of the second. And then to start the third, we were still on a, on a the second part of the power play. Um, and I think Kyle Wanvig scored to, to tie it up, which was huge. And then we traded goals after that, but we were in a big hole and ended up battling out of it. But those games were like, well, we're, I don't even remember the score. It was six, six, five, five and six, five, both games. Like, I think, yeah, yeah, that was, that was, that was, uh, that's awesome. That, that, that was good hockey, the six, five games like that. It was. Uh, that was, uh, uh, you know, I've been able to cover a lot of Memorial Cups. That was uh, probably the, the most fun. Um, so you get uh, drafted, uh, you become a Penguin, uh, you play in the American Hockey League. You've played with some pretty amazing players. Alexander Dagg was on uh, a, a team that you yeah. played with. What was, what was Alexander Dagg like uh, at that point? 
Yeah, well, I know, like, everyone knew who he was, right? He was first overall and um, good-looking guy, and he's got the NHL career and everything that comes with it, and all of a sudden he's playing on our team in Wilkes-Barre. It was, it, was, uh, it was interesting to get a guy like that with the, you know, the, the clout that came with you know having him, but I was like, I thought he was awesome. He's so fast. He had an incredible shot. Uh, he could make plays, and um, you know he was really, really good for us. You know, a guy that's first round pick to be at that time in his career down in Wilkesbury playing in the minors. You know, he could have had a you know bad attitude, or you know something could have came with it. But I, I thought he was a good teammate. I thought he was great there. Uh, I enjoyed him. He's really, he's actually a really funny guy too. Like I enjoyed hanging around him. He's really good to have around. And yeah, we had lots of at that time too. Like Pittsburgh was you know, pretty broke and going through bankruptcy issues and financial issues with the team. And, um, you know, there's talk that the team was going to move a little bit uh, when I was there. Uh, so, you know, all of our first round picks and they've been, you know, bad for a while. All of our guys were all down to the minors. So we had like a really, really good young um, team, really full of like first and second round picks mixed with a few like veteran American league legends. Um, and, and, you know, some of those journeyman guys, but we, we had to, I got to play with some really good players, much the same kind of like in Red Deer, like they just kind of brought us all along mm-hmm. together down there just because of the situation and no one got called up. And one of the years with the lockouts, we were all, all down there playing together and, um, we just kind of grew together and then kind of all moved up a little, uh, you know, a good handful of us all moved up together up to Pittsburgh at the same time. Was your NHL rookie season, was it not Lemieux's last season too? Yeah, yeah. Like what I was that like? Lemieux's spot. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mario. I've got it from uh, here, right? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, he retired for the last time and I took a spot. Yeah, I'll take it. No worries, but No, it was crazy. It was crazy, right? Because that year to start, I think Eddie Olchek was coaching and they had like, you know, they had a bunch of uh, really like older veteran guys that had come in there. Um, and I don't know like what the salary situations were then. I don't really remember paying attention to it, but I imagine it was like guys kind of near the end of their career, um, veteran guys that had played in the league for, you know, 15 years or something that, that came into Pittsburgh. And, um, you know, and then you mix that in with like Sid, it was Sid's first year as well. So mm-hmm. you have all these guys. And then, like, uh, uh, Buckberger, and I think Bergevin was still there. If I room the call, I might, I might be wrong. He might have retired the year before that or been traded away. Um, uh, Mike Eastwood, like, a lot of these guys who were just kind of, like, a little bit on the, you know, on the, you know, the back nine of their career or even closer to the end, uh, mixed in with an 18-year-old Sidney Crosby. And they got off to, like, a brutal start. And meanwhile, our team of the minors at the time was all still young guys. Like, no one had really gotten called up yet. And we were, we went on, like, we hadn't lost a game in like 25. We were 25 and 0, I think. It was crazy. We were just on fire. We were dominating. We'd been together for three years. So that was the start of our fourth year altogether. And, um, you know, they switched the coaches. Our coach, Michelle Terrian, went up. And that's when kind of things started to kind of start turning over. Eventually, the guys started getting called up and they started, you know, bringing some, some young legs and some guys to get their first kick to the can up with Pittsburgh. And, that was right around the time, yeah, that Mario retired for the last time. And I actually got called up two weeks later. I was there. He had this big, like, conference thing. And I was in the back of the room at Mario's announcing his retirement. I was there. It was crazy. What was that like? Like, this oh, guy is like, he was, like, larger than life. 
Yeah, he was. Like, I remember being at camp with him, and, you know, when I went there at 18, he was there. And, um, you know, just seeing him walk around. Like, I see there's something about him when he walks in a room. You, like, just your jaw drops, and you just stare at him, like, like probably like any fan would. And that's the way it was for me. And uh, most guys, there's like an aura about him when he's just around. It's just, you know, one of those special guys. But I remember like at that training camp, yeah, I got to skate on a line with him at camp. And uh, trust me, talk about stressful, you know, being 19 years old and trying to like, you know, every time you get the puck, you're like, I'm trying to pass it to Mario, no matter if there's like 10 guys out of here trying to thread it to him. Uh, it's just crazy. But I remember standing like the half moon shooting at camp, you know, this guy's in the corner, pass the puck shoot at the net, no screen, nothing. And I remember I was standing next to him and massive guy too, but six five. Like yeah. Huge. Just smooth. Gets the puck, takes a shot, goes like through the goalie's arm. After three times shooting, like we're I'm talking like out past the top of the circle. No screen, nothing. Just putting it through the goalies. I go, excuse me, Mario, um <laughs> how do you how do you do that? Like how do you like what because he kept scoring, you know, like shoot an NHL goalie. <laughs> he goes, well, I take the pass, I take a quick look, and then I shoot it. <laughs> and then I'm <laughs> that's how he explained it to me. It's so easy for him. He didn't even know how to explain to me how good he was. I was just like, oh, okay, thanks. Thanks, Rod. Like, I'll just keep hacking divot. I'll just keep hacking yeah. divots out of the ice here. It was all fuck 85 of me. They're trying to lean on my coho revolution. Oh, thanks man. for the advice. Um, it just it was just crazy being around him, and I mean, we had like I was going to camp like Kovalev, Straka, Lemieux, Morozov. Yeah, like yeah. we had all these like uh, um, all these uh, amazing like other players. Robert Lang. It was, it was it was actually wild being around some of these guys. How skilled and good they really were, and around some of those teams at at that time. And um, you know, eventually to be able to to make the team was incredible uh, around that time too. That like John McClare, Mark Recky were on the team. Lyle Oldline was there. Um, you know, we had some other really good veteran guys that were still kicking around when Mario retired and I got called up. So it was, it was, it was really cool. What do you remember about, uh, uh, skating with Sidney Crosby for the first time? I remember watching him from the glass when he was on another session before me. Like, you know, when you like kind of, like I saw him in the Memorial cup the year before right. when they lost to London. And I remember I was up in Loon Lake, Saskatchewan. I was up at my aunt and uncle's cabin watching the final on, on TV on the couch the lake and that was like the first time I, I, I'd i heard about him a ton you know you hear everything like remember Jay Bowmeister like yeah. how big a talk it was about Jay Bowmeister in the Western League when I was coming up with, he's younger than me by like a year but like this, everything was like this guy's like the next thing Jay Bowmeister's unbelievable and you know look at his career he's like look what he's been able to do but you're hearing stuff like Sidney Crosby's the next Wayne Gretzky like you know, this stuff was going so that was the first time I saw him on TV but to see him like with your own eyes, um, standing there at camp and him like doing the inner squad game and just the plays he was making, how fast he was, how strong he was, how confident he was at like 18 years old out in the NHL ice service, like all these like good players. I was just like, holy smokes. Like guys were, guys were just shaking their heads at how incredible he was at that age. Um, and how good he was. So, um, to see him, it's so crazy just to see guys with your own eyes. Like I've yet to see Connor McDavid with my own eyes play yet. Oh really? Um, I work. Yeah, like I want to see him with my own. I, I saw him. Sorry, I saw him at World at the World Cup in Toronto. Right. I saw that, but like, 
I don't know. There was just so much going on. There were so many guys on the team. It was just different. I just want to see him in the NHL, like at the level, like what he looks like and how mm-hmm. fast it looks to see him at their own. Because like you watch him on TV, like I do a lot of Oilers games, sportsmen. You watch him and he's just like incredible, right? But I just want to see, like, to get a look at a guy with your own eyes in real life, like live, is something else. So I can't wait till I can, I could see Connor McDavid with my own eyes. It's like one of those things to see those guys, like, you know, in the flesh and how fast they look going by guys in real life, not on TV and. Um, you know, watch them away from the puck, those kind of things, and see how good they are that way. Um, you know, that's what that's what it was like watching Sid. Yeah, McDavid, uh, it's it's an absolute pleasure. Um, you uh, you played your first game in uh, like the, the right before New Year's Eve, uh, your NHL game. Yeah. Then you, you got your first point a few games later, your first goal a few games later. What was your NHL I made it moment? Was there a, maybe it was the you scored the first goal in the outdoor game? That was pretty cool. But what was the moment where you're like, yeah, I'm an NHLer now? Oh, interesting. Um, I would say maybe at the end, <laughs> it's crazy at the end of the year at our year-end meetings, because I only got called up at, like, around Christmas, right. New Year's. And I would say at the end of the year meeting when, like, Terry was, like, my coach is like, all right, Army, like, now you establish yourself. You know, you're an NHL guy. Now the work begins to stay here. you got to do this. And I was just like, whoa, whoa, okay. Okay, and then from then on, I was so scared to get sent down. Like, I was so scared of getting sent down mm-hmm. every single year. Like, no joke, but... Um, I guess maybe in game, I guess just scoring your first goal, I think is, is one of those moments where it's like, Oh, like welcome, finally welcome to the NHL. Your first game is awesome, but your first goal is just so special and, um, incredible feeling. And, um, but you know, I think I just think of the feeling, you know, to put on an NHL Jersey finally and to like get out on the ice. Cause I played three, I was a first round pick, but I played three and a half years in the yeah. minors, you know, like a lot of guys from my draft year that were all taken in the first round had already had like a handful or a bunch of games already at least. So I was kind of late to the party and took a little longer to develop in the minors before I was ready, like professionally, to, you know, get in the NHL consistent consistency wise as well with my game to get ready to play there. So, you know, I, I paid my dues down there and uh, I got better and I worked on my game and to the point where I was kind of, you know, a, a, a real good player in the American league. My last year there, when I got called up, like I was, probably close to getting like I was probably would have had 30 some goals for sure um but uh you know I was I was ready to go at that time and I was given an opportunity and I just I wouldn't let them send me back down I think it's just because I was so scared dude <laughs> I was so scared of going back to the minors man so scary <laughs> what yeah well exactly that's your that's your motivation uh and then that Pittsburgh team's coming together I mean, what was it like uh, getting the call that you were traded Oh yeah, that yeah, yeah. We we started getting good. We knew we were going to be good. Like we had guys like Brooks Orpik, Rod Scuderi um, on defense. Um, I'm going to be missing something. Ryan Whitney, another guy that was there. Yeah, we had a bunch of young guys all at the time that really come up together. We had Mark Andre Curry, first overall pick in net. You know, we had uh, you know Sid, Gino, Stahl uh, down the middle, um, and then we had just kind of a smattering of other real good young talent and other guys around it. And, I remember the year before that we made the playoffs for the first time. That was the first time I'd experienced playoffs playing against Ottawa in the first round. And that was the year Ottawa went on to the finals, lost yeah. Anaheim in the final, but they were a really good team. But, you know, at the end of that year, I just remember like sitting there with like Ryan Malone and like Sid and some of these guys in the dressing room. It's like, man, we're, like, we're going to be good next year. Like we just had a feeling, you know, when you, it just starts coming together and things start clicking, you start understanding like what it takes to, you know, be a good team. 
Uh, and sure enough, the next year, like we were, we were on fire. We were, we were playing, we were, I think first place in the conference or division. And, uh, when I got traded at the time in that Hosa, Hosa trade mm-hmm. right at the deadline. And I knew we were, I knew we were going to be like, we were just building to being one of those teams that was like, we could, we could have a run this year. Like we could, we could win the cup. And so it was really, it was like heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. We got here, especially when I play like three, three years with, you know, majority of the core guys on that team and the minors. Uh, and then, you know, a couple of years up with them in the NHL with, you know, the likes of like Sidney Gino and Stahl and those guys mixed in there, just really good young guys as well. And just a good group and to be building towards something. It just, it, it stung bad to get moved to Atlanta. All right. Lastly, because I know you got something uh, right after this. Uh, you you were a Leaf and a Canadian. Uh, you know you you work in Toronto for sports. And you also were uh, work in Pittsburgh, but you were a Leaf and a Canadian. I mean, there's not yeah. there's not probably two more hotter hotbeds of hockey uh, in the NHL than those two, is there? No, I know, I know, like totally. And when I was in Atlanta and I became a free agent, I was like, I mean, I was like, seriously, I want to go somewhere where there's like fans. I want to go somewhere where it's like you know, hockey passion when you, when I was down there, um, you know, for the few years that I was, I was just kind of itching to get back into like a, a hockey market that was like alive, you know, <laughs> yeah. like Atlanta's. So I was like, I, I, I want something. And, and when it became a chance for me to go to Toronto at that time, I, I jumped at it. I, 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 I wasn't a Leaf fan growing up, but like everyone's Leaf fan, I felt like, <laughs> but I, 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 to play in a market like that with the history that they have and, how good they are, how good their, you know, franchise has been, you know, over however, how many years, hundred plus now. And, uh, you know, at the time in 2010, I was like, this is incredible. This is like where I want to go. I want to kind of be in the, I want kind of want to be in the fire. I want to be in a place where it's like the expectations are, are big. And like, there's, you, you put that maple leaf on, it's incredible. Uh, and then from that, get high, terrible injury issues in Toronto. I signed a three-year deal there uh, to the last year, getting bought out of the contract and signing, like two days later um, with Montreal, like my childhood team. And that was a lockout year. So I only got to play half a year there, uh, but we did make the playoffs. So to play for my childhood, favorite childhood team, the Montreal Canadians as well in an awesome market, like just like Toronto um, and make the playoffs and come out of the bell center, like in the playoffs was yeah. just unbelievable feeling. It was a good way. That was the last year. That was my last uh, ticket at NHL moment uh, was to play for my childhood you know, team and um, make the playoffs and feel that energy and play in those great atmospheres in both those cities is awesome. You're right. I was pretty lucky. And I probably, I guarantee it probably it's like being on a good team and, you know, helps you, you know, find success. I'm uh, playing in those markets. I think have helped me to be doing what I'm doing post career now. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, it's perfect. I mean, uh, you scored your last goal, March 19th, 2013, versus Buffalo, uh, Jonas Enroth, I think, but I knew you yeah. would get into oh, broadcasting. That was a beauty. It was a beauty. Describe it. That was, uh, was a beauty. The puck, I don't know. The puck was working around the corner. I'm Alex Galchenyuk got it. I found myself like alone in front and he passed it to me. I picked it up on my forehand. I'm a righty and I was standing for Enroth. So I'd like my back to him. So I got it on my forehand. I pulled it like I was going to shoot. And then I just took it to my backhand and tucked as far post on him nice. for my knees. And it was like a big goal near the end, you know, it, it was a big goal. We were, our team was, I think we were, we had a good team that year. Like I thought we were going to win the cup that lockout year. We were just that good. We ran into injury troubles in the first round of playoffs against Ottawa. They knocked us out, but um, we were a really, really good team. And that was a big goal. We were 1-1. We had like 45 shots on Buffalo that game. We couldn't quite 
you know, uh, get that next one. And, um, yeah, so that goal put us 2-1 to win the game. It was, it was awesome. It was a good goal, but incredible feeling scoring a goal in the Bell Center. It was awesome. Yeah, no doubt. And I knew you'd be destined for TV. You do some, of course, uh, uh, analyst work for Sportsnet and uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, you have the yep. personality and uh, and and the knowledge. So this has been a lot of fun, man. Uh, thanks for doing this, and uh, let's try to do it again, and we can uh, get into some more stories at some point. Absolutely, Dino. It's great hearing your voice. It's been a while since I last talked to you, um, and thanks for everything from back in the day in Red Deer, and, and you know, being so good with our group and. Um, giving us those, me those experiences of interviews and being on camera and sitting on your shows and doing all that stuff. It was, it was an incredible feeling. Then the snow came down. I smiled, you frowned. I said, let's build a snowman. You said you're on your road, man. I said, let's bust out the skate sticks, took skis, boots, toboggans. Told me all downtrodden I'll be in my room All gloom and doom Just because the snow came This is the Sports and More podcast with Dean Millard. The day before the snow came. That's the sweet sounds of Sweet Bejesus. Uh, that's Winter Suckface, uh, the official band music of Sports and More, the podcast. Big thanks to Kevin Dabbs and Christian Gutzis for allowing us to play their music. You can get their debut album, Policeman's Creek, on uh, Apple Music and uh, other places where you find great, great music uh, so i appreciate uh, those guys allowing us to use their music uh, kevin dabs is a pretty good friend of mine and uh colby armstrong what a guest uh so funny that muriel Mew crack and and the crack about his uh getting drafted is so funny i was really lucky to uh to get to know colby uh when he was 17 years old and been able to stay in touch uh throughout his career so appreciated his time and uh uh, man, we did have a lot of fun. Uh, that Memorial Cup, not just the uh, tournament in Regina, but the whole playoffs. I traveled a little bit with the team. And uh, here's, here's a veteran move. This is what I did as a veteran move when I got to Regina for the Memorial Cup. Ordered three large pizzas and then uh, spent the rest of my per diem on uh, partying. That That's what I did as a, a 2001 uh, Memorial Cup. So... 19 years ago, I'm a little bit smarter now. I would probably only order two pizzas now and and still spend the rest on party things. Uh, anyway, big thanks to Colby. That was a lot of fun and a lot of laughs for sure. All right, uh, we need to get to the ultimate franchise fantasy sports poll question and it regarding the Stanley Cup um, and, and what might happen. We all want to see best of seven. Yes, we all want to see it, but I don't think that's going to happen. So let's take best of seven out of the equation. I don't think there's going to be a playoff. Uh, I'm even less uh, optimistic than on uh, Colby. I, I'd say like 99% they're not going to have a season. This is going to take a miracle. So let's throw seven games out uh, for this question. Regarding the Stanley Cup, which would you prefer? One game series, winner take all. Three game series, five game series, or no Stanley Cup, it's 16 wins 
or bust. Right now, five-game series is leading the way at 44%. 27% say no cup, 16 wins or bust. 17% say best of three, only 12% say one-game series. You can have uh, your say. It'll be up there for uh, another five days and 18 hours, according to Twitter. At Duck Millard is where you can vote on uh, that poll question. So regarding the Stanley Cup, which would you prefer? One game, three games, five games, or no cup unless you win 16 games. And you can get more details, as I mentioned earlier, at www.uffsports.com. Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports. It's awesome. You own the game. Thanks very much for tuning in to this podcast, episode 40, uh, featuring Colby Armstrong. If you did, uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. It's uh, really important uh, to know how to make this show a little bit better. So your thoughts uh, do mean a lot to us. Uh, So let us know. Leave us a Google review or review on uh, Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to be a part of the show as an advertiser, please email me sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. That is sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. That's going to wrap things up for episode 40. Big thanks to Colby Armstrong of Rogers Sportsnet and, of course, a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins broadcast and a 2001 Memorial Cup champion. We'll talk to you again next week. Playtime is over. We leave you with Beach Bag from Sweet Bejesus, their debut album, Policeman's Creek. Out, I'm in love with my lover The sun being down It's time to take cover So I stab the west end With the umbrella Gonna find the perfect time To tell her Zigzags Loose change And a brand new Diamond ring Bottom of a beach bag Love you so true Shutter open for the rest of the day Gonna capture every single move that she make Hash crumbs, a hair elastic And a brand new diamond ring The bottom of a beach bag
tell you as my heart is beating fast that I'm going to change my ways, going to set it straight, going to change today. Some dumb drunk muscle head redneck Invading space all over my girlfriend He's trying to flirt with her, touch her and all up and down She's holding her own as his buddies are holding me down Fresh rounds of silencer and my nine millimeter friend Bottom of a beach bag Sweet lead, blood red, they dead Yeah Pack up the beach bag <laughs>